Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. I believe the church is rising up. How many of you can say amen to that? And it's rising up even in its place, that secret place. We are getting to be more and more comfortable in the secret place. You know, sometimes like when there's quiet moments on stage, you know, a little, some of the time people get a little bit awkward, like, oh, what's happening? Nothing's happening. They're not singing. But you know what? Let's just get comfortable in the presence of God. If he wants us to stay silent for a bit, we're going to stay silent for a bit and heed and hear. I think in these last days, and even here, and I decree and declare that even here in New Life, Maine, uh, the times that we linger with God are the times when he encounter us, encounters us in such a prophetic way. So I love to make room for that. We're going to make room for God encounters. We're going to learn to make space for God encounters like that. Amen. So, you know, like even as the worship team, even as Nash just was singing that prophetic song. I believe these are songs from heaven, and we need to heed that. Heed that. I'm so glad this is recorded, and it's forever online and live, and you can always go back to it because there's some things that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us as a church that's arising. Amen. So the title of this message is Church Arise. It's a call. It's a cry. It's a mandate. It's, it's not just our watchword. You know, I believe that came from the Spirit of God. But I believe when he said church arise, it wasn't just talking about uh, the universal church or our local church, but it was talking to you and to me. Hey, church, you are the church. Church arise. Amen. And I believe, and, and, and today, and just start praying for me, there's just so many things that I would like uh, to speak out. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to deliver, to transmit, you know, right now to the hearts of men. And uh, two things that I believe that God is calling us to arise to as a church. And I'm talking about a church right now. Number one, he wants us to arise to our authority. Authority. How many of you know we are the army of the Lord as a church? And we have the authority to speak and declare things. But the second thing that he wants us to arise to and have greater revelation of is our identity as the bride of Christ. So two things, our authority as the army of the Lord and our identity as the bride of Christ. Let's go to Matthew 16, 15 to 18. I'll, I'll, I'll just talk uh, just for a short uh, time about our authority because we've been talking about that, you know, uh, for a long time now. We'll keep repeating that, obviously, but I want to focus on us being the bride. But to go there, I want to go to Matthew 16, verse 15 to 18, ESV. It says here, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are, the, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, say church. Church, on this rock, what rock? The rock of revelation. The revelation that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. That was the rock, the bedrock on which the church was going to be built. 
I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on. You are the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. That's what it's saying. The Greek word for church is the word ecclesia. That's the Greek word for the church, and it means, it's, it's a political term. Ecclesia or church was not a religious term at all. It was a political term, and this is what it means. Ecclesia means a legislative assembly, all right, or selected ones. That's what a church means. You are the church. You are a legislative assembly. You are the selected ones. And so it is a political governmental term that is used many times in classical Greek for a group of people. Come on, listen to this because this is who we are. A group of people who have been summoned. Heed the call. Church arise. We have been summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. Let that sink in. We have been called as a church the ecclesia, a legislative body, we have been called by our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who builds the church to govern the affairs of a city, of a nation, of the world, for you to govern your homes, your households, your businesses. We have been summoned and called out as a church for Jesus to use this term, ecclesia, it means he's giving the keys, say keys, the keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to the church. So you have the keys. What do keys do? They open things. They shut things. Matthew 16, 19 in the Amplified says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you lose, declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. So keys can open and shut things. So how many of you know that in heaven, fear is already bound? So you bind fear here on earth because it's already bound there. You have the keys to do that. You can bind sickness and disease here because it's already bound there. So as a church, we can lose faith and we can bind fear. As a church, we can lose healing and we can bind sickness and disease. As a church, we can lose abundance because lack is bound. We can lose love because hate is bound. We can lose hope because despair is bound. We have the keys. We have the authority as a church. Come on. And it is important for us to realize this. Both hope and despair, they're contagious. They're contagious. And we, as a legislative body, with authority, we get to decide what we release. So my question is, what are we releasing today? As a church, what are we releasing as a church? What are you releasing in your homes? What are you releasing in your businesses? What are you releasing right now over your circumstances? We have that choice. We are the legislative assembly. We govern that which has been given to us to govern. And the church has been called to govern the world. 
each local church in each own place that God has placed us, but together with all the churches all over the world, we have been called to govern this world. And how do we govern? How do we, how do we release this authority? Words? Isn't that what a king does? A king just releases words, and he has, you know, his army. He has his, um, you know, soldiers. He has retainers to make sure that the word that he releases come to pass. Well, when you release words, we have angels. We have angels heeding to the voice of the Lord. So speak words. That's how you govern what has been entrusted to you. Amen. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Come on, what a promise. Every time you speak the word of God, there's power emanating from your mouth. Without producing any effect, useless. But it shall accomplish. Hey, when you speak, it accomplishes something. And it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose. So when you speak words, it's not your will be done. It's God's will be done. Because it is his purpose that we accomplish when we speak his words. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Well, it's God's word we speak. We're not speaking our own words. It's God's word we speak as a church. Hebrews 11.3 in the Amplified says, By faith, that is with an inherent trust, and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, your world, your city, your business, your family, were framed and created, formed, put in order, equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Your world will not be made out of things which are visible. Circumstances around you, that's not how your world is going to be made. Your world is going to be made by what is invisible, the Word of God. That's what it says. What is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Because we take from the spiritual realm, because we have authority to do that, from heaven to earth. Amen. So when things are out of order in your world, what do you do? You put them in order by your words. That's the kind of authority we have as a church. Authority over your family, your finances, your relationships, your city. This is who we are. Arise. Need to arise to that. Arise, I tell you, to those who are watching online. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. We cannot operate in great authority until we have a revelation of our identity as a church. You can't operate in authority if you don't know your identity. Unless we, got, we get an understanding of our identity, we cannot walk confidently in our authority. Because we're all like, yes, 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 but hey, hey, hey. Identity first before authority. I remember going uh, to my parents' house when I still could go to my parents' house, and my parents' house is all the way in Batangas, you know, and I would go there and visit, and when I go there and visit, guess what? When I'm hungry, I just go straight for the refrigerator. I open up my dad and mom's refrigerator, and I just get what I need. My dad and mom are not going to come in and say, eh, 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 what are you doing? Why are you taking from my ref? I have never, ever heard them say that. They'd pass me by, hey, dad, hey, mom, nothing, why? Because they know. What's theirs is mine. You know why? I know I'm a daughter. 
I am my father's daughter. And because I am my father's daughter, I can take whatever I need from his house. Who are you as a church? Aren't you a son and daughter of the Most High God? If you know your identity as a son and daughter of the Most High God, you can go to the throne room of grace without fear, without shame, without condemnation, and take whatever it is that you need. See, we need to know our identity to do that, or else we'll always be, Puede ba? Ooh, I don't know if I can open the ref. Ooh, I don't know if I can go before the Father. Oh, you know what? Uh, he might not see me as, you know, I, uh. nope, nope, nope. He sees you holy. He sees you blameless. You are the apple of his eye. You are valuable. He loves you. He gave his life for you. This is your identity. And so when we have this revelation of our identity, guess what? We will walk in great authority. Amen. Three things that Pastor Giselle mentioned, you know, in our rising. We are going to rise in three things. Rise in intimacy, a rise in our identity, and a rise in our inheritance. And I just realized those three things go in order. In order. From intimacy, you get your identity. And when you have your identity, possess your inheritance. That's the way it works. Intimacy, identity, inheritance. Amen. So I want to talk to you right now because you know what? In, in the Bible, what you will see, true government is represented by family. Family is the ultimate example of true government in the Bible, if you look at that. Fathers, you know, as fathers, you give identity, you give purpose, you give an, an, an ending resource to your children, right? In the same way, our father does that. We get from him our identity. We get from him our purpose. We get from him an ending resource from our father, all right? That's why Jesus came, to restore our relationship with the father, not a leader, not a governor, not a president. The restoration of a relationship was with Abba, was with our daddy. That's family, right? And so family is the ultimate example of true government. This is how the kingdom works. And so in John, 15, John 5, sorry, 19 to 20 in the Amplified, John 5, 19 to 20 in the Amplified Bible, it says here, look at the dynamic relationship. Okay, this, I'm talking about identity now. Look at the dynamic relationship, father, son. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, the son is able to do nothing of himself, of his own accord, but he is able to do only what he sees the father doing. The son looking at the father. Look at that relationship. For whatever the father does is what the son does in the same way in his turn. That speaks of intimacy. Before Jesus ever did anything, before he possessed anything, there was intimacy with the Father. Because he said, I, I, I only do, I, I can't do that unless I see my Father doing it. Father, Son, right? The Father dearly loves the Son and discloses to, shows him everything that he himself does. In that secret place, our Father is going to show us what he does so we can do likewise. Come on. And he will disclose to him. He will let him see greater things yet than these so that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. Come on, church, arise. This is who we are in that place of intimacy. Now, the church, like I said, family, right? The church is also called the bride of Christ. 
which speaks of another aspect of our relationship with Jesus. He is our bridegroom. Revelations 19 to 7, Amplified says, let us rejoice and shout for joy, exulting and triumphant. Let us celebrate and ascribe to him glory and honor for the marriage of the Lamb at last has come and his bride has prepared itself. Woo. Looking forward to that wedding feast in heaven. You know, we are the bride. As the church, let me tell you, as a church, talk about marriage, there's a marriage feast. As a church, we said yes to Jesus. When we said yes as a church, when we said yes to the call, when we said yes to the mandate placed upon us, we said yes to a person first. I mean, before I ever had an adventure with Pastor Giselle, I had to say yes to Giselle first. When I was on the altar, I didn't say yes to the adventure, yes to the, you know, yes to the traveling, yes to all the, I didn't say yes to all that, yes to his debts. which he doesn't have any right now, you know? But everything that he had, I said yes to, right? But I didn't say, it wasn't a whole lease of, I say yes to this. No, I said just say yes to a person. And as a church, yes, we, we go out. There's a mandate. There's a call. There's a call. There's a cry for us to do. But first, we said yes to him. As a bride, as the bride of Christ, we said yes to Jesus. Now, the word bride... This is where it gets exciting. The word bride or wife takes its original concept from the book of Genesis. All right? When the Lord saw that Adam needed a help meet. I'll say help meet. That's the King James Version, which a lot of anointed people use, they say. So we will use King James, holier than thou, you know? But King James says help meet. So that's the word I'm going to use. So Genesis 2.18, not in the King James. This is New King James. But in the King James, it's help meet, all right? So the word bride or wife was taken from Genesis 2.18, okay? And it says here, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. That translation actually is very loose because helper is a very loose translation. Because when you say helper, what's the picture in your mind? Helper. You know, helper, tagaluto, tagali, which, yeah, we do, but, you know, it's like this weak, it's a weak position, like a helper, you know, and, you know, the, the master is in front and you're this helper. So it's a very loose translation, depending on your culture, all right? So it says here, I will make him a helper or help meet comparable to him. That's, that's the first thing. Yun palang eh. I will make a helper comparable to him. Think about that. And then, after he says that, right, so he creates Eve, the helpmeet of Adam. And the first thing that they are called to do is God tells them, be fruitful and multiply. Right? Take authority. Also to go and to grow the garden. Isn't that? Take authority over the garden. And this is a picture of what we as a church must do. Because the garden was a small place in the world. Because people might think, oh, the garden was the world. No, it was a small place in the world. And the task of Adam and Eve together was to be fruitful, to multiply, to extend the rule and reign of God all over the world. 
from that one place. We as a church, that's our assignment. You as a church, wherever you are, your home must be a hub. Your home must be that hub wherein the rule, the reign, the glory of God is spread out to the ends of the earth. Do you see how important you are? This is our role. And here it says here, you know, uh, this is the first example of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he told Adam and Eve. Rule and reign with my presence. And you know what? Adam needed a help me to do that. He didn't say it just to Adam alone. He said, no, no, not just Adam alone. It's not good for man to be alone. I could go so many ways to that in marriage, but I'm not going to go there. But the thing is, for them to rule, reign, multiply, do that, Adam needed a help meet, which this is the original Hebrew word for that. It is the word ezer, E-Z-E-R, if you are taking down notes, which I hope you are. All right? Ezer. So now in marriage, this is God's design. The Hebrew word means this. It is not merely a helper doing lowly and mundane tasks, but rather this word ezer, this word help meet, it speaks of strength, it speaks of power, it speaks of resources, it speaks of wealth. And all the wives say, oh, and online, all the wives type out, type it out, type it out, amen, amen. Now, now, this is the thing. This is not to say man's not important. I'm just saying that the women are not low-level beings. Ezer, okay? So the help meet, the wife, the bride is someone that stands face-to-face with the husband in the safety and protection of others. Others, that means they work together for the safety and protection of their family, of their business, whatever it is. Face to face. Woo! Ezer means one that is able to stand when necessary in opposition. Okay, Ezer, Ezer. Anybody, any Ezer's here? Actually, all of us are Ezer's because we are the bride of Christ. Get used to it, men, to be called the bride of Christ. Because we are being used as women, we are used to be, calling, to be called sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. The women are included. So, when we say the bride of Christ, come on, men, you're included. Let's just get used to that. All right? So, ezer, like my help comes from the Lord, means ezer. The word help is ezer. My ezer comes from the Lord. 21 times in the Old Testament, it's mentioned. Mentioned two times for women. 16 times for God. Ezer is used to describe God. 16 times. How can that be a lowly position? How can that be just, oh, just a helper? When it's used, Ezer, 16 times for God. And it's used three times of the military. Right? And the times it's used of God, if it's used of God, it means helper, deliverer, shield, sword of his people. Come on. God is in a battle. This is not a weak word. A better translation for that is when he said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I, <laughs> I will make a power facing him. 
I will make him a strength opposite him. I will make him a rescue that looks him in the face. Okay, I, I know we're talking about husband and wife. Come on, Christ and the church. Intimacy and closeness perfectly fit together. That's what it means to be the bride of Christ. You are perfectly fit to be face to face with God. It is one who can stand face to face with you, a wife perfectly suited to stand face to face to be a blessing and a protector with the husband. Woo! You know Proverbs 31:10, Proverbs 31:10. Uh, how many of you have read that, Virtuous Wives? And I'm reading that. And sometimes I'm reading that going, whew, what a tall order. You know, like you're reading it like it's a perfect wife. Look at Proverbs 31.10. It says, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far more than rubies? I'm looking at virtue. And I, I don't know, maybe I had a wrong thinking of what virtue is all about. Virtue is like, virtue, <laughs> virtue, <laughs> you know. No. I looked up that word. It is the Hebrew word kayil. Kayil. The meaning of this word cannot be contained in one English equivalent word. That kayil. Okay. It is, it, it is used in connection with military prowess. This is a virtuous wife. Kayil can be translated. Ito na, ito na. Come on, wives. And church. Church. Because this is everyone, all right? <laughs> it can be translated mighty, wealthy, excellent, morally righteous, full of substance, integrity, ability, strength, mighty like an army. I drop. I'm reading it. I'm going, this is the church. Arise! Ezer! Woo! You know, and, and of course, you know, you're reading that, oh, husband, wife. But in Ephesians 5, 32 in the Amplified, it says the mystery of two becoming one is great. Because Ephesians 5 was talking about marriage, right? Husband, wife. But it says, but look at what the Apostle Paul said. In saying all that, but I am speaking with reference to the relationship of Christ and the church. So yes, of course we can read it, husband and wife relationship. But the Apostle Paul was saying, but you know what, really? Husband and wife, really? That's just an example. I'm really talking about Christ and the church. So now, <laughs> how is the church designed to relate to God knowing that you are Ezer, that you are a warrior bride? Come on. The wife now, if you look at it that way, it is a metaphor for the last day's church. The virtuous, overcoming bride of Jesus Christ. That's who we are as a church. Come on, arise, arise. Woo! Use that. You know, look at this. Ezer is a military word. When the commanders go to war, they want an assistant, and that assistant to the commander is called Ezer. The bride is an assistant or deputy to the commander. As deputy, she exercises the authority and power vested and delegated upon her by the commander. <laughs> this is the bride of Christ. Kaya naman, pag nasa skirt ako, naka-rubber shoes na. 
Why? Because yes, you know, you can be pretty and you can be dainty and you can be like girly, girly, but hey, you're ready. You're like this warrior bride. Hallelujah. See, when Jesus, <laughs> when Jesus declared in the last days there's going to be famines and pestilences, you know, and wars and rumors of wars, he wasn't saying that to make us scared. He was just describing the place, the situation where he was going to send his ezer. Right? I'm just sending you. There's wars. And of course, the ezer says, well, of course, that's what I was called for. It's not like, really? Really, God? No, you're ezer. You're a warrior bride. And so we get our instructions from the commander. We must have an understanding of this. We must have that in the last day. So now, just very, very quickly, wow. We are a church that is militant, one that is strong, one that is mighty. So now, I, I just chose, because I don't have much time for this, but I just chose verses from Proverbs. And now I'm reading it in the light of the church. Not just as a wife. But as a church, look at Proverbs, of course, 31. You already know that. Uh, Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far, more, far above rubies. One commentary says, it's, she's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Wasn't the church bought by the blood of Jesus? That's in the book of Acts. Acts 20, 28, if you want a reference for that. that. Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. So Proverbs 31 is already talking about the church. Look at verse 11 to 12 in the Amplified. Oh, the heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on and believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. I'm reading this in the light. Who's... Who's the husband of the church? Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I have entrusted my heart to you. Uh, the virtuous bride will not bring disgrace to Jesus' name. Jesus will not be ashamed to display the church to the world. Because that's what it says. The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently, relies on belief. Uh, Jesus believes in us. I, I don't know what you, what you think of yourself, how you see yourself, that you may be weak. And you know what? We might be. But when you are weak, we are strong in him. That's how God sees us. That's how Jesus sees his bride. That's why he says, yes, I can entrust to you this assignment. There is no other institution on the earth that God has entrusted the assignment of ruling and reigning but the church. It's the church. We are all he's got, <laughs> and he believes in us, and we need to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. Ugh. Proverbs 31, 14 to 15. Look at this. Church, she's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night, provides food for her household, and a portion for her maidservants. Food, there's food in the house. Bread, that word food there, if you look at bread. Who is the bread of life? Jesus. As a church, we are mandated to give the bread of life to people. Proverbs 31, 17 to 18 in the Amplified Bible. It's, oh, look at this. She, as a church, she girds herself with strength 
spiritual, mental, and physical fitness for her God-given task. Spiritual, mental, physical. And makes her arms strong and firm. Yan ay yung verse ko sa pag-exercise namin ni Pastor. O yan o, biblical. This is the church. She, look at this. She tastes and sees that her gain from work with and for God is good. What the church does is good. Her lamp goes not out, but it burns on continually through the night of trouble, privation, or sorrow, warning away fear. There is no fear here. Bye-bye fear. You can't stay here. We can say that because our light doesn't go out. Warning away fear, doubt, and distrust. Isn't this what we did during pandemic? The light of this church has never gone out, even during a time of pandemic. When we went online, our light shone even further. Because that's what it says. Her lamp doesn't go out. Jesus made sure that our lamp does not go out. Oh, Proverbs 31, 20 to 21. She opens her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her filled hands to the needy, whether in body, mind, or spirit. Come on, Hope Alive. This is what we did as a church. We are a generous church. You are generous. You are generous. Everybody who gave, you were just doing what you were called to do as a church, as the bride of Christ. I love this. She fears not the snow for her family, for all her household are doubly clothed in scarlet. Covered by the blood. We're protected. When it, when it says here, she fears not the snow, that is a literal figure of speech for a cold winter season or the future. The church does not fear the future. In fact, it's prophesied that we pioneer the future. And to pioneer a future, there is no fear in pioneering. There is boldness. There is confidence. Confidence in a relationship with Jesus, our bridegroom. Woo! No fear. We are the future. We are the church. Proverbs 31, 26 in the Amplified. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue, giving counsel and instruction. We as a church, we have words of grace pouring out from our mouths. Words of life. Not just as a church, corporately, but even you, individually. This is who you are. Ooh. Genesis 2.18, I'll go back to that. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet comparable to him. That word comparable means in front of, straightforward, in one sight, in the presence of. So what God is saying to us is this. The church is perfectly suited, perfectly designed to face Him in intimacy. That's our place. It speaks of access to the throne room. It says and declares if we are a helpmeet and a zer comparable to Him, it means that we have access, we have intimacy, that we were made for His presence. Bride of Christ, you were made 
for his presence. We are perfectly fitted together. Co-laborers. We are co-laborers. You know, we, there will be no fruitfulness until we co-labor with God. Husband and wife, right? Unless you have intimacy, there is no fruit. Unless we had no intimacy, no Kevin, no Kyla. As a church, it's the same. Your intimacy with Jesus causes you to be fruitful. Fruitful in every good work. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus was here physically doing something on the earth, but now we, as the church, we are now the deputy commander. <laughs> we, as a church, are here doing something with His presence, His power, His Word, and the Holy Spirit backing us up. His Word. I think that's why women have more words than men. Because we have been called as a church, the bride, to speak, to declare, to frame our world. Hallelujah. Intimacy before invasion. Intimacy before inheritance. There must be intimacy. Oh, Jesus. Let me just say this. In, uh, in Matthew 3, 17, before Jesus ever went out to do his ministry, remember he was baptized in the River Jordan. And when he was baptized, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, settled. And then they heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you remember that? God did not create his church. God did not create us because he needed to. Let me just say that. God has no need of anything. He's complete. But you were created because he wanted you. He wanted to create you. You were created because of God's want, not need. Because he can do anything. But he said, no, I want to pour out my love. I want to have someone to pour out my love to. So know this, you are not created out of need, you were created out of a want, out of love. And we respond to him with what he has called us to do. Amen? So there is a shift in the way we think about our place in him, about our call, about our impact. We need to arise as a church. Yes, in our authority, but also in our identity. God is reawakening our sense of purpose because our purpose, we get it from the Father. We get it in intimacy. We get that there. So God is reawakening that face to face with God because it has never been about our ability, but it has always been about our availability. First with Him in relationship, then us, Him, through us in responsibility. That's the way it works. So I believe that the church is rising up in greater levels in both. And so whatever the church has been called to do, remember this. You have been called to do it. Equip. You are the Ezel. You are the warrior bride. You are equipped. You are mighty. You have resources. You have wealth. We are the church that is going to pioneer the future. We are that generation that pioneers the future. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Arise, arise. Lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. We are His radiant bride. Remember? That's why every time we sing that, I'm like, oh, that's us. This is what I would like to do now. In Revelations chapter 22, verse 17, it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. 
And I think Nash knew that that was a verse I wanted to end with, but as she prophetically sang, it was come, come. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So maybe there are some of you here. You need to drink of that. There is an invitation right now that says come. The Holy Spirit says come. The church says come. Jesus says come. And he says partake of the water of life freely. And so today I would like to give you that invitation to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, your bridegroom, your captain, your husband. Jesus, the one who loves you the most. This invitation is for those of you online and also for those of you here on site. I know you can see me right now on the video. So this is not just for those online, for those of you on site. If you have never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I would like to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is speak and say this prayer after me. The Bible says, when you declare with your mouth, when you speak with your mouth, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. So let me give you that opportunity to do it right now. Repeat this prayer after me. Father in heaven, I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sin. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died on that cross, that he was buried, but he was also resurrected to new life. Today, I make a decision to receive you, Jesus, into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And from this day on, I am now called a child of God. Thank you, Father, for your love for me. I receive eternal life, the forgiveness of all my sin, right now, today, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you pray that prayer, for those of you online, I'd like you to type out, I prayed the prayer to receive. I prayed that prayer. And you know what? We have an engagement team right now. They're going to zero in on you, send you a private message, and we will make sure that you get connected. For those of you on site, if you receive that prayer, maybe later on you can come up to any of the leadership here and say, I prayed that prayer for the first time, and we are going to get you connected to this house and to this church. And so you know what? You have made the best decision of your life. You just said yes to Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.